0: Good morning. Good morning. My name's Ben. I have the privilege of being the student director here, and I also get to share from God's word with you this morning as we continue on in this series called uh, "Real Living and Talking about Real Life." Now, if you, if you don't know, I'll just get you clued in. I've, I've lived a lot of life. Has anyone been living a lot of life in the last few months? I feel like I've lived a lot of life in the last few months. And w- w- fortunately, we've moved from crisis to celebration, and here in the month of October. Just a few weeks ago, we were able to come here to the waters of baptize, b- baptism um, and baptize our, our youngest, Owen. And, and actually, just a week before that, I believe it was, that we celebrated a couple birthdays in our household. My wife and our, our middle son, Judah, they, they share the same birthday. And, and in preparation, yeah, he stole it, so she doesn't get a birthday anymore, so, <laughs> yeah. But in, in preparation for this message, I was thinking about, actually, the, the interesting parallels that I see that we have in our lives where in the waters of baptism where owen came and where many of us came that were given good gifts and it's not unlike a birthday we all celebrate birthdays we all have special occasions and whenever those special occasions or birthdays come there's people that send cards right hopefully there's some people that send cards friends and family it's always based around hey just an affection a care towards that person it's always based around the relationship as well, that, you know, that you love your grandson, you love your son, your, your nephew, whatever it may be. Um, it's based around that. And when we come to the waters of baptism, that we, we're, we're adopted into the family of God, and that we are called his children now. We're clothed in Christ. Well, what was interesting is, you know, our, our son Judah, uh, he let us know, as a two-year-old, he let us know he wanted dinosaur everything. He wanted dinosaur balloons, he wanted dinosaur streamers, dinosaur tablecloth, a dinosaur cake, we just ended up doing a green cake, close enough. Uh, you don't get everything you want. You know, we don't want to spoil him. <laughs> but he received cards, right? He received cards, you know, from loved ones that said, hey, Judah, as, as this relationship, you know, you're as a son, as a grandson, whatever it may be, we love you, we, we, we adore you, we, we, we want the best for you. The same way in baptism we have that. Well, he also had a gift that he's not even totally aware of, I don't think. His grandmother has actually set aside a little bit of money and will continue to for for college down the line and i don't have to tell any of you but it it would be kind of silly to think of a two-year-old sitting down on his birthday after having cake and just flipping through college catalogs thinking yeah this is pretty cool (laughs) one day 16 years from now i'll be able to enjoy that but in the same way in the waters of baptism we're given that that relationship that right relationship with god and we're also given this hope of a future with him but it doesn't stop there. And I think for many of us, like we, we, we recognize that right relationship. We look off to the future of the one day. One day I'll be with him. But what we forget to recognize in that moment is that we have a gift. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in the same way, on a birthday, Judah didn't sit down with a, with a birthday card. He didn't sit down with college catalogs. He sat down and for hours, ROAR! He played with dinosaurs, because that's the theme, that was the thing, that's the big season that we're in right now is dinosaurs. He had a gift, and it would be ridiculous to think that, that he would open the thing, that he, the thing that he wanted, the thing that was useful for him in that moment, and just to set it on a shelf and let it collect dust. Well, I'm here this morning to let you all know, you might not have known it, but each of you has a dinosaur. You all have a unique gifting that God has given you. Every single one of us has unique gifting, and what we don't want to do as Christians is fall victim to just becoming complacent with the idea of like, well, God has a right relationship with me, and I know I'll be with him one day, so I'm just going to go ahead and I'll just set it on the shelf. You know, yeah, there might be a nice present, a nice gift, but I'm not going to use it. And So what we're talking about today as we're moving forward in the series is we're talking about God having given us a good gift that he wants us to put to work. So if you would, we can go ahead and turn. We're in First Peter chapter four, if you're here with us in person today, there there are Bibles in the chair back in front of you. You can go ahead and turn to page one thousand and sixteen. Uh, on those that are viewing online, I encourage you to turn to your, your Bibles. Open if, uh, First Peter chapter four, wherever that may be. It might just be in another window on your browser right now. And this is where we're going to be hanging out as we move forward through First Peter and Peter's letter to the early Christian church, the the Christians that had converted from uh, being Gentiles, and he's in. Uh, we're going forward in talking about, from chapter 3, where Pastor Craig left us off last week, that we had Jesus who suffered for us, but he's given us this, this adoption, this gift in baptism, and now what do we do with it? And so we pick up in verse 1, and it says, Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh. We know that he suffered for us. Now arm yourself with the same way of thinking arm yourself. This is a militant term. This is, you know, like you, need, you get ready to bear arms, get ready for a battle and a fight. Because the reality is that we, as Christians, are going to suffer as well. And we don't pull punches about that. It's not that we come to faith, now everything's good, and it's a, just an easy path for us forward. But we need to arm ourselves with the same way of thinking as Christ, being prepared to be servants, being prepared to suffer. For f- whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so that as to live for the rest of the of time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Now, what's interesting in this text, is, and we know from elsewhere, is that if you suffer for Christ, it's not that all of your sin stops. But God continually refines each and every one of us. We'll actually see later in the text that we know that as Christians, we all still sin. But when we uh, follow God and what he's calling us to, that we will actually know that we're going to suffer. And that we're not supposed to pursue the things that we once pursued before. Not to, to look like the rest of the world, but we'd rather pursue the will of God. And so a question for you this morning, do you know it? Do you know what the will of God is? There's lots of scripture that points to the will of God. There's a, there's a general will. And the general will of God is that his kingdom would move forward. That all people would come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and that they would claim Jesus as their Lord and Savior, receive forgiveness and grace from him. That's the general will of God. But there's also specific will. That in each of our lives, every single day, we make choices left and right. And that some of those choices that we make are in line with God's will, and other choices we make sometimes are not. But the reality is that as we've been given a new life through the waters of baptism, a new life calls for a new lifestyle. We no longer can walk in the same way. So Peter goes forward, and he's telling these Christians that have converted that don't fall back into the same passions he says for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same way, in the same flood of debauchery, and they might malign you, they might make fun of you. Now this is not an exhaustive list of all sin that, that occurs, but he's speaking directly to this church, he's speaking directly or to these churches, these Gentiles that had converted that were likely Worshiping other gods and committing these sins. The reality is, it, it might not be these things, but all of us have sin in our life that we can fall back to. But what Peter's encouraging the church to do is to step forward in the pursuit of God's will in their life and be willing to face whatever ridicule that might come and recognize that it's going to come. If you aren't partaking in the same things that other people are, that culture and society are telling us all to do, well, they might make fun of you. You might not look like everybody else. And really, if we do look like everyone else, we have to ask ourselves a question. Is everyone else in line with God's will? Or am I out of line right now? Because our lives are called to look different. And that that ridicule is going to come, and we really shouldn't care about other people judging us. Because there is but one judge, and that's Jesus. And he points to that fact in the following verse. It says, but they will give an account. Those that partake in all those sinful things that you used to, they will give an account to him. That is Jesus who is ready to judge. The perfect judge. The living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, who are spiritually dead, that, they, that though judged in the flesh, because we were all spiritually dead, uh, the, in this way, that they might live in the spirit the way God does. That we're all going to have to face a judge one day. We're all going to have to stand before Jesus, and we recognize this, that either we stand before him clothed in his righteousness, clothed in his goodness that we did nothing to deserve, or we'll stand in front of him with a list of good stuff that we did and a big long list of bad stuff we did. It's not going to turn out so well. You'd rather be clothed in Christ and what he's done. And so if they look at those verses, it seems like heavy-handed, but we recognize this, that we want to be not only the people that hear the gospel that it takes hold and that we receive it and then we can become doers of the word and not living in our own passions and pursuing our own ways. And so now we're getting a little bit closer to to finding your dinosaur because I know you're all curious where your dinosaur is coming. It's just a few more verses away. Peter goes on and he switches from talking about having to arm ourselves being prepared to face the things the ridicule that's going to come and now he says this is encouraging verse. The end of all things is at hand. The end of the world's going to come. You heard it last week if you were with us. But we're living in the end days. And 2,000 years ago when this was written, they were living in the end days. That that it is going to get worse and worse and worse. And we don't know and don't claim to know what day that will be. But we know we want to be ready. And back then 2,000 years ago and today, what you need to hear is that you need to be ready. I need to be ready. So therefore, that we should be self-controlled. We should be sober-minded for the sake of our prayers and that in the same way that we first arm ourselves with the mind of Christ, that we have the same way of thinking as Him, that we stay in that same way of thinking, that we pursue God's will by having a conversation with Him, by having a prayer life, that we come before God, and we ask Him, God, what is your specific will here in my life right now? And that from that place of having that mind, having that right relationship with Him, praying to him that now he's telling us what to do, more so than just thinking or feeling a certain way. What is it as Christians that we're supposed to do? How are we supposed to look different? He says, above all, keep loving, can you guys say this with me? One another. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. See, there it is. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love wouldn't have to cover a multitude of sin if we didn't continue to fall into sin. I don't maybe need to tell you, but you you and I, we're all sinners. And as we come to a saving faith in Jesus, it doesn't change the fact that we still sin. And that in a community of believers, because that's who he's writing to. He's writing to the church. He's saying that you are called to love one another. Now, aren't we called to love everybody? Well, yes, of course we're called to love everybody. But what he's encouraging the church to do here is that we need to, as a church, we need to look different than society by loving one another well and covering the sin that we know resides within each of us, that resides here in this church, that we will still love over all the mistakes, all the shortcomings of everyone. And that since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another. Again, show it to the church. Be hospitable. And then here's this. You've got to love this because it would be really easy if you just didn't include this part, right? Show hospitality without grumbling. He had to go there, right? (laughs) Because I'll be honest, there's times in life, right, where you might know the right thing to do and you might even do the right thing, but do you do it for the right reason? It's really easy to do. I mean, it can be really easy to do here in the church that you could serve in a specific way and you you do it because you know it's right, but your heart is not set in the right place. You're not doing it to glorify and honor God. You might just be doing it because you know it's right. You might be doing it because you want to look better than you really are. But what we know is that we can't have that heart of not grumbling unless we first arm ourselves with the same mind of Christ and see the goodness in Him first. And then here comes this pivotal verse. In 1 Peter 10, and this, is this, this first section is what the kids and kids SG Kids are going to be focusing on today. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. It's an amazing verse. As each has received a gift, Is each has received. You're not waiting on snail mail. Your gift is not stuck. It's not at the post office somewhere. Every single one of you has a gift. Through, Through the Holy Spirit that resides in every single one of us here in this room and every single one of you that's watching online, you have a gift. Everyone has a spiritual gift. Can you guys all say that with me? Everyone has a spiritual gift. All right, let's try this one because it's a little bit different and maybe a little bit harder. Can you just repeat after me? I have a spiritual gift. I think this is easy to say because if I'm putting myself in your shoes right now, well, yeah, everybody has a spiritual gift. Sure, that's what the Bible says. You, every single one of you has a spiritual gift. Whether you know it or not, I, I don't know if what that to be the case, if you know what it is, if you've exercised what that gift is, but God's word tells us that every one of his believers has the Holy Spirit, and because they have the Holy Spirit, they have a gift. They have what I'd like to call the dinosaur, and so are we using it? Do we have that gift in the present day here in his church that we're putting to work, or if we don't know what it is yet, are we in the process of discovering what it is? Are we asking the question of God, wait, okay, I trust you, I trust your word, I know it to be true, and I have no idea what spiritual gift you've given me. I, don't, I have no idea what it is, so how can I go about discovering it? Well, it goes on in verse 10, after we realize that we've each received a gift, that we use it to serve one another. So that actually clues us in. It's not a gift for ourselves. It's not a gift for selfish ambition to gain wealth or fame. It's not, that's not how we're called to use those gifts, but rather we're to serve, again, one another— those around us within the church and that we should be good stewards or we should be good managers of the gift given to us. That we don't just set it aside and let it collect us and at the same time we don't use it and abuse it in ways outside of the church but that it was intended to be used within the church for the benefit of the church. And then this is curious too. That as good stewards, as good managers of God's varied grace. What does that mean? So we, 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 we want to Recognize we need to manage the gifts we've given, but they're varied grace. Well, we recognize this. All of us have been given mercy. We all have not received the punishment that we once deserved. We've also all been given grace, which means we've been given more than we could even imagine. But here it points to the fact that it's multifaceted, the way that God shares his grace with each of us. That some of us have different giftings than others of us. And that's okay, and God actually designed it that way. Because there's unique needs within his church and he has unique answers to those needs. And those answers are you and your gifting to serve in different areas and that it's not all the same and we don't all look the same. And we don't all have the same gifts once we come to faith. <coughs> in 1 Corinthians, it actually lays us out in, in what actually is a really helpful lesson. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, the writer goes to share that the church is like the body of Christ. It's like a, like a body that some people within the church are an ear, some people are an eye, but we don't look to each other and go, well, I really wish I was an eye. Why do I have to be an ear? Why do I have to be a nose? Why do I have to be this or that? You don't envy other people in their position or in their gifting, but they're all unique and they all work together. And it says this, but, but as it is, God arranged the members. And so as the writer here is speaking, he's, he's sharing that the members, the members of the body, that all these different parts God has arranged them and each one of them he has chose. That the God who knew you, the God that knit you together in your mother's womb, the God that knew you before he laid the foundation of the world, decided I need one of, one of them and I'm going to put them here at this church and I'm going to give them this gift so they can use it in this way so people will be blessed, my name will be glorified, and the kingdom will move forward. That he's arranged those things You know, it was actually, I think this is fun. Uh, 16 years ago, 16 years ago, I was arranged on this stage in a different way. Did any of you know that? 16 years ago, uh, I was actually up here, and I wasn't preaching. I was actually at my cousin's wedding, and at that time, I had taken some piano lessons. This is the only song I know, by the way. And God uses gifting in my life. Okay, that's all that I know. And that's not the point of the message. So we don't need to get lost in that. But God arranged me to be there 16 years ago and to use that gift in that way. It was actually at that same time in my life that God rearranged my life. I thought that as a high schooler that, you know, I was God's gift to sports. (laughs) Yet my uh, varsity basketball coach didn't think so. He didn't agree. And so in that season of life, as, as a 16-year-old kid getting cut from a varsity team, I had a lot of time on my hands. And the youth worker caught wind that, oh, Ben has a little bit of time on his hands. Yeah, he's pretty faithful in youth group. And, you know, I think I've heard him play Pachelbel's Canon D once or twice around the church. And so he pulled me aside. He asked me to go out, you know, grab some food with him and chat fair warning to, you know, any student here, anybody for that matter, if, if I take you out to coffee, I'm going to ask you to do something. Um, <laughs> just, just letting you know right now. But that's exactly what he did. He took me out, he listened to me, he, he talked to me about, oh yeah, that must be tough, that yeah, you got caught, yeah, yeah. Do, do you play piano? Well, we actually just had somebody graduate out of the, the student ministry, and you know, they're, they're off now, and we, we need someone to play keyboard, and, and I've heard you do that. So for whatever reason, I mean, I believe God leading me in that direction, led me into, the, into this band that for the next, like, two to three years that we led worship on Sunday nights. This is actually taken up at uh, Mackinac Island, where we were leading worship for the high school district gathering. We were the opening band, if you guys remember. Merch will be out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but that was a way that God arranged Ben to be closer to, to the, the core of the church. Not that I would be up here playing, but there's a reason J.J. doesn't have me play on Sunday morning. We don't have a lot of need for the Bell's Canon on Sunday morning. <laughs> but God used that season in my life, which at the time was difficult, to, to pull me closer and to not say, Ben, you're gifting to the church, you're gifting to this world, is to play keyboard. But he brought me closer and allowed me to be closer to the church, closer to serving, closer to him, that I would be in community with other believers Yes, we led worship for others, and God used us in that way, but we also grew in our relationship as young men, uh, leading worship, praying with each other, spending time in Bible study together. And ultimately, it was from this place that I stepped into other leadership roles in the church. And then I felt that God placed a calling on my life to to be a professional church worker. And that's not the the call on everyone's life, but the reality is this, that you don't have to know what your gift is right now. And if earlier when I asked you if you knew your gift or knew your dinosaur, and you don't know what it is, the fact of the matter is you don't have to know it to start. You don't have to know today, right now, what your spiritual gifting is. But you do know this, that God has called you to serve inside of this church. And as you serve, you actually might be able to discover your gift a little bit quicker. And here in the text, Peter is writing, and he, he just lists a couple of gifts for us. This, again, this is not exhaustive list, but he just gives this example. He says, for whoever speaks as, wh- uh, as one who speaks oracles of God, that is to say, whoever speaks the word of God, to speak it in the strength of God, in the power of God, and that whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything, and this is the key thing, because this isn't all the giftings that we could all possibly have. It's not speaking or serving. There's varied gifts all unique gifts, but whatever the gift may be, that they may glorify God through Jesus Christ. And then he gets excited here. You can hear it in the text. He says, to him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. It's not the end of the book, but you can see that Peter's getting excited about telling the church, challenging the church to recognize you have a gift. You're called to serve one another. And that ultimately, as we each do this more and more, as we see the opportunity set before us to serve and to use the gifting that God has given us, that God, not us, God will be glorified. That more people will come to that saving knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's done, and that they might call him Lord and Savior. And as a church, that's what we want. We've actually set a couple of uh, targets out in the future for us that we want to hit because we believe this is, this is in line with God's will and in line with God's will for this church. That by 2025, that we want over 1,500 people to gather for worship weekly, whether that's online or that's here in person. And I think that's an attainable goal. This is, a, this is a God-sized goal, but it's a goal that we believe to be worthwhile because we know that if people are here, that they're hearing God's word preached. And as they hear preached and they receive it, that, they, that heaven will become bigger ultimately because of that. And then this one specifically, I believe, speaks to the text today, that uni- using our unique calling your unique gifting, that 80% of the church will serve inside or outside the walls on a monthly basis. That just once a month, not once a year, once a month, that as we are either in the process of discovering or we might already know what our gift is, that we would apply it and that we'd use it because that's what God has asked us to do. That's what God has called us to do, to use the gift he's given us for the benefit of the church. And I believe that if we do this second goal, that this first goal is going to be really easy. If, if God's church and God's people here at Shepherd's Gate all start to lean into the unique calling that he has for each and every one of us here in this place and we serve each other and bless one another, that ultimately we're going to be so distinct and so different from those around us that there's going to be something attractive about this place that people are going to want to come and be a part of it. Because you might not know this, but I mean, it, it takes some volunteers to run this place, you know? On a Sunday morning, any guesses how many volunteers it takes for a Sunday morning to run? Close to 100. 70. 70 volunteers to run currently. Just on a Sunday morning. That's not including Wednesday night ministry, Thursday night ministry, Bible studies throughout the week. Just a Sunday morning from those that you see leading worship up here and the tech team and the kids ministry. It takes 70 people. Either there's a hospitality team as well. And, and like I said, there's all these other things that happen throughout the week and other areas where you can apply your gifting. And so today, this is why I really want to just be an encouragement to you is that if you don't know what it is, or you know, maybe some of you here, you did know what it was. Or you, you were in a season of life where you served and you stepped out of it. And this will just be a quick little side, but I have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-month-old. I'm in a season, Right? <laughs> Some of you might be in a season. You might be in a season of life where you might not feel like, where's the, where's the margin? Where am I going to find the time? You know, if you give the time, God's going to make the best use of it, most certainly. But at the same time, many of us aren't in maybe a season where we feel like we're, we're a caretaker. But even still, if you're in a season like that where you truly feel like, I mean, Ben, I don't know if I have an hour to spend a month. Well, do you have a few minutes every week that you can spend in prayer and you can join the prayer team? and join us in praying that God would continue to break through here in this place, in this church. Because there's opportunities for that. There's opportunities to serve around the building throughout the week if it's not going to be on a Sunday. So there, there could be monthly commitments, weekly commitments, a wide variety of different things. But I encourage you, after, after the, the service comes to a close today, that you head to the gym, and that you at least check it out. You grab a little bit of information, and you enter into that conversation, that prayer with God, and say, God, in this, in this season of life right now, what is it that you're calling me to? God, what is it that you've given me if, it, if it's my time and my talent and maybe I just don't know what it is yet, but God, will you lead me in a path of discovering what that might be and how I might be useful in your kingdom? Because we, we know this. Jumping back to the, actually the book of John, and these are Jesus' words here. So it's not just Peter writing, which we know is God's word, but this is Jesus himself here speaking. And this is a, in the upper room with all of his disciples before him. This is God in flesh. God, who emptied himself of all of his glory, took on the form of of human flesh, who suffered in every way and is sitting there with all of his disciples, and one of which was going to betray him. And he got down on his knees and he washed their feet. Not coming to seek Accolades and praise and glory in that moment, but coming in the form of a suffering servant, so that we would all have an example set for us of how we are all supposed to live our lives. Not to bring glory to ourselves, not to necessarily be comfortable, but to live lives as servants. And he gives this command a new command I give you, not a new suggestion, a new command I give you that you love. One another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And by this, by this, all people will know that you, that Shepherd's Gate, that they are my disciples. If you have loved, love for one another. At church, it's a hard thing to do. We're all sinful, we're all broken there's all a multitude of reasons for us to not love each other well. But there's this reason that Jesus gives us is that that we can cover all of those sins with love, all the multitude of sin that even resides here in this place and we recognize that to love each other well means to serve each other well. It's just not in thought, but it's actually in, in word and also in deed as well. And that here in this place, that God might be calling some of you or many of you to step into a new season of life, to to see what is it that God's calling me to do? What is it that he's calling me to do to love this church well? And in doing so, as we get better and better at leaning into that and understanding God's will for us, that we would love well, that we would serve well, that ultimately his name would be glorified, and that others would come to know that we are indeed followers of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for this reality that you came to give us amazing gifts, gifts beyond our comprehension, that you now look upon each of us and call us your children, that through the blood and sacrifice of your son and through his resurrection, that we have hope of an eternity with you And that, God, also let us recognize that today that each and every one of us has been gifted and has been called to apply and use that gift in service and love to those around us and to those within the walls of this church. God, I pray that this church would be distinct and would stand out and would be a beacon of light within our community, that we would love each other so well that it would stand out And call others to attention that there's something different about this place, not different about us, but that you're different, God. And that they could come to the saving knowledge of who you are because of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.